Welcome to Life Point Plus, a program dealing with marriages and family. We are so glad you're listening. Here's your host, pastor and teacher, Gary Moore. Welcome to Life Point Plus. I'm your host, Gary Moore. Well, today we begin our time together looking at common marital conflict number five as defined by Drs. Cloud and Townsend. This conflict is desires of one person versus the needs of the relationship. Sometimes the desires of one spouse conflicts with the needs of the relationship. Mom wants to go back to school, but the couple needs time and it needs the money. Or dad wants to relocate for a promotion, but it would disrupt the family. One partner has been working hard for a season and wants to spend some time or money for himself or herself. On the surface, this desire of one member of the family can be seen as selfish because it will cost the relationship or the family something. According to Drs. Cloud and Townsend, the rule here is there is no rule. If there were a rule, it would be to find balance over the long term. No relationship is going to survive if all the members are not getting some desires met. Conversely, No relationship is going to thrive if the members get their individual needs met and the relationship always suffers. It is good for a relationship at times to serve its members. The problem comes when the marriage always serves one member and never the other. Make sure that over the long haul the marriage goes on the back burner at times for each member and that each member has learned that the marriage is more important than his or her individual wants. Marriage means giving up some individual rights for the sake of the marriage. But sometimes the marriage returns the favor and sacrifices for the individual. In the end, the marriage benefits as each member grows. But keep it in balance, making sure that the marriage gets served first. Well, here are some hints from Drs. Cloud and Townsend. Remember that the marriage comes first. Give the best to the relationship before your individual desires. Earn the equity to spend later. Be clear about what you want. Don't passively wish. Tell tell your spouse clearly. Be excited about what your spouse wants for himself or herself individually. You are one, and it is for you as well, even if it seems that it is just for him or her right now. Make sure that your individual desires that take away from the relationship over the long haul are not unbalanced in terms of what your spouse gets. As much as possible, make long-term plans for individual things that take away from the marriage. This way you can plan together to sacrifice, and it is not spur of the moment. Immediate requests feel more like demands. Well, conflict number six. Known versus unknown problems. Denial has received a bad rap. To be sure, it can be dangerous. When we are in denial about some problems, it can destroy us. And some denial systems are very strategic and intentional. People with substance problems, for example, maneuver a lot to remain unaware of their problem. This kind of denial needs to be assaulted. But there's another kind of denial that is not intentional. It is the human trait of being unaware. Some people are not in undenial, but they have a blind spot. We all have aspects to our personalities and characters that we do not know about. 
As King David said in Psalm 10, verses 12 and 13, Who can discern his errors? Forgive my hidden faults. Keep your servant also from willful sins. May they not rule over me. Then will I be blameless, innocent of great transgression. David knew that there were things about him that he did not know. In marriage, your spouse may know more about you than you do. The trick to growth is becoming partner to this secret knowledge. There's a difference between known and unknown problems, however, and they should be handled differently. Well, let's look at conflict in known problems. If you talked about a certain pattern before, agree about what you all do if the pattern returns. Agree that the person with the problem is responsible for it once he knows about it, and each party knows what to expect if it happens again. For some, this may mean, I'm not going to tell you again. I'm just going to enforce the consequence we agreed upon. In principle, the person knows that he has the problem and should be working on it. If you have talked about one partner's tardiness, for example, then you might agree ahead of time that if the partner's tardy again, he or she will get left behind. Or if one spends too much again, he or she will have to work it off. If you've talked before and want each other's help, then confronting will be used not for policing, but for making someone aware. I cannot see when I'm doing that. Please let me know. Then confrontation is an attempt to heal, not to control the problem. If you know about the problem, the plan to fix it is your responsibility. You are in charge of your own character issues. Don't blame your spouse in any way for something that you already know about yourself. If it is your partner's problem and they know about it, don't enable them. If you do, you are part of the problem. Follow through with the consequences you have agreed upon. Well, now let's look at conflict in unknown problems. Agree with each other that you have permission to tell each other about what you notice. If you are partners in discovery, then you will experience it as teamwork and not control. When you are confronted, be open. Don't be defensive. Accept the feedback, at least agreeing to look at yourself and see if it is true. Seek feedback from others also. If your friends tell you the same thing as your spouse, you might believe it more. Ask your spouse to show you each time it happens so that you can see the pattern. We tend to think a mistake or problem is a, a one-time occurrence if we don't know that it is true about us. Catching yourself over and over will slowly convince you. Give grace to each other. In areas that are new discoveries for your spouse, change is not going to be immediate. Give each other some time. Well, now I want to shift our focus by talking about resolving conflict with a boundary-loving spouse. In a later broadcast, we'll talk about resolving conflict with a boundary-resistant spouse. Doctors Cloud and Townsend tell us that in any situation requiring change, two major issues appear right off the bat. Number one, the issue to be dealt with, and two, the ability of the person to deal with the issue. If number two is good, then in most cases, number one will not be a problem. However, with some couples, category number two is a bigger problem than category number one. 
They are not open to feedback, cannot see when they are wrong, do not like limits of any kind, and blame everyone else for their problems. Doctors Cloud and Townsend call these people boundary resistors, and we'll talk about them in another broadcast. But people who have the ability to hear feedback and listen, they call boundary lovers. In the history of people helping from biblical times until now, there are two kinds of people in the world, those who listen to feedback and those who don't. Modern psychiatry calls the ones who don't listen to feedback and cannot observe their problems character disorders. The ones who listen to feedback, the boundary lovers, are characterized by several traits. They are open to feedback and correction from others and gain understanding as a result of confrontation or feedback. Proverbs 15.32 says, If you reject discipline, you only harm yourself. But if you listen to correction, you grow in understanding. They don't become defensive when their spouse shares feedback. They take ownership of their own problems, choices, feelings, attitudes, and behaviors. They have the ability to see themselves and observe their behavior. They value the treasures of their spouse. They see their spouse as an individual, separate from themselves with separate experiences. They allow their spouse the freedom to be different from them. They respect the freedom and space of their spouse. They see their own need for growth and change. All of these traits show that someone is open to the truth, to the freedom of the other, to responsibility, and to love. I recommend couples take a look at these traits with each other and see where they are. Everyone needs improvement, and you're probably not perfect in all of them. But if you do have an attitude of openness, a desire for your spouse and you to experience freedom and love, then you will be able to talk through problems and help each other. If you are both boundary lovers, you only have one problem when you have a conflict, not two. And this is good news. The other piece of good news is that having the first problem is not bad either. Conflict is normal. If you don't have conflict, one of you would be unnecessary in the relationship. Wherever two are gathered, there will be conflict. But this isn't bad. Conflict just means that two things come together that are opposed to each other and do not immediately agree. The fun part is working through it. Well, for the past few weeks, we discussed the six different kinds of conflicts. For all kinds of conflicts, the Bible suggests the following predictable path over and over again. Observation. By definition, you can't fix a problem you do not see. One of you have to notice the problem first and see it as a problem or conflict. Confrontation. You cannot fix a problem that you don't talk about. Speak honestly with each other. As Paul says in Ephesians 4.25, Therefore each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor, for we are all members of one body. But speak the truth in love as you let your spouse know what is wrong. Ownership, grief, and apology. If you are the problem or at least a part of it, own it. If you've been hurt, own your hurt and communicate it. If you are the one who is doing the hurting, then confess and apologize. If you are the wounded party, 
Forgive as well as express your hurt. Well, our time is gone for today. Thanks for being with us. I hope you've enjoyed our time together. Have a great weekend and let's meet together next week. God bless you. Thank you for listening today. This program is brought to you by Cloverdale Church of God. If you would like to reach Pastor Gary, please email him at pastorgary at cloverdalechurch.org. To know more about the church, go to our website at www.cloverdalechurch.org. Thanks for listening and be blessed.